Louisiana Eats is brought to you with support from Louisiana Fish Fry, a staple of Louisiana kitchens for nearly 40 years. Maker of batters, coatings, boils, tartar sauce, cocktail sauce, and more. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. From our studios in the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans, this is Louisiana Eats. I'm Poppy Tooker. A lot of magic can be made with nothing more than flour, sugar, and of course, butter. On this week's show, we're exploring the magic that some folks are achieving with just that combination. First, We'll hear from Juliana Fernandez and Juliana Freire, the dynamic duo behind one of New Orleans' newest eateries, Juliana's Brazilian Bakery and Cafe. They'll tell us about all the beautiful offerings bursting with the authentic flavors of their native Brazil found in their pastry case. Next, we chat with the affable Ralph the Baker a local cook who's become an international social media sensation. He'll explain how he built his online presence to include millions of followers and why he's the baker who almost never bakes. Finally, we learn about the little bakery that King Cake built. Only a few years after Martha Gilreath achieved fame for her Nolita King Cakes, She's opened up a bricks-and-mortar bakery in New Orleans, selling items like Bialy's, Boudin Danish, and something called the Croissant. So dust off your aprons and preheat those ovens. We're embarking on an exotically delicious adventure on this week's Louisiana Eats. When Juliana Fernandez and Juliana Freire met, they discovered much in common. Along with sharing the same first name, they were both natives of Brazil who had found their forever homes in New Orleans, and they both loved creating the traditional cuisine of their homeland. Since one of the Julianas specializes in sweets and the other in savory, this was a match made in heaven. In the summer of 2023, Juliana's Brazilian Bakery and Cafe opened its doors in the Lakeview neighborhood. Playfully decorated in pastel pinks and greens, the cozy little cafe features a pastry case brimming with beautiful cakes and Brazilian bonbons known as brigadeiros. The kitchen also offers a breakfast and lunch menu, including the Brazilian national beans and rice dish, feijoada. The two Julianas are here to tell us how their little Brazilian outpost came to be. My name is Juliana, and I'm the sweet part of Juliana's Bakery and Café. And my name is Juliana Freire, Juliana too. Um, my part is uh, the savory part in the bakery and cafe. Let's start at the beginning. 
what are you all doing in New Orleans? How did you end up here? And how did you all end up baking together? Okay. Uh, well, I came to New Orleans right after Katrina. Uh, I was living in Miami, and I came to help after Katrina, and I just fell in love with the city. New Orleans, to me, it's very... Um, I don't know, the, the way I feel here, it's very homey, like my hometown. So I guess um, that's what made me stay here. Uh, the baking process, actually, it was just, I always loved to bake, but I never knew that I was going to end up being a baker. I was just working a regular job uh, in an attorney's office, and I, when I got pregnant, I decided to do my baby shower. And since that day, everyone tastes uh, what I did on that day and start ordering, like, oh, Juliana, can I, can you do exactly what you did in your baby shower for me? I'm like, well, you know, I, I love to do that, but I don't, I don't work with that. And since then, I start little bit by little bit uh, just selling to my friends and worth them out. When I saw it, I was just doing a part-time job baking from home. How long have you all been working together, and what's your story? When do you come to New Orleans? Yes, uh, I'm from Brazil, too. And all my life, I, I like the jazz and blues. And I'm just coming for vacation. But I, I love, I love New Orleans, because New Orleans is so similar to my country. The people is so friendly, and the food, the, the, the New Orleans different one. It's more more like a comfort food for me. And I says, you know, this country and this city is perfect for my, my kids grow up here. Tell me, what do you think that people don't understand about Brazilian baking and Brazilian food? Um, it's not that they don't understand. It's just different. I think here it's more simple. Let's let's say cakes, you know, cake wise. I think here in America, um, everyone grow up like trying uh, buttercream, and it's just I feel like you know the Americans they like very simple things like basic ones. And I think in Brazil, we use a lot of different flavors and different fillings. We do play a lot with with the different combinations. I guess uh, my clients, my American clients. They a little bit hesitate to try sometimes, but I feel like after they try, they see the the difference on the, the you know the mix of flavors, fruity and and sweet things like that. So it, it's very different. But I think once yeah. once my American clients they try it, they they see and they they fell in love. Yeah, and uh, the Brazilian food is a mix the culture. Because I have Italian people, uh, Mediterranean, Oriental. The, the Chinese. Yeah, in Brazil, it's a, a mix of cultures there. Like empanada, Brazil, uh, the, the more popular street food is a pastel. Uh -huh. But a pastel in Portuguese, it's a similar a meat pie, but a fried meat pie. Uh -huh. And uh, this is for Japanese food. In Spain, in Spanish, it's a different one. It's a bake. In Argentina, you make an empanada, but a bake. In Brazil, it's fry. What bean do you all eat? And more popular, it's um, pinto beans. 
Pintos. Okay. Uh -huh. But every Saturday, Brazilian people make a feijoada. Ah. Feijoada is a, it's a black beans with a, the, the smoked sausage, smoked parts, the pork, like um, and bacon too. Mm -hmm. It has pork, bacon, and the cracklings. Mm -hmm. So uh, have you been serving that at your cafe? Yeah, every Saturday I have a feijoada. Come try. Oh, mm -hmm. yum. So one of the things that just is amazing, Juliana talked to me about those little tiny sweet bites. That was one of the most magical things that I discovered is that you all, and I can't remember the name Brigadeiro. of it. Say it again. Yeah. Brigadeiro. How many different flavors of those do you have in your case most uh, days? Right now, I have close to 30 different flavors. So the, the traditional one, it's a milk, milk uh, chocolate milk flavor. That is the traditional Brigadeiro. With a condensed milk. Yeah, it, it is pretty much condensed milk, table cream, uh, butter, and then... Before, they used to just use cocoa powder, but now, uh, over the years, it became like a gourmet version. And describe what those flavors are. Uh, well, we have, of course, the traditional one, which is milk chocolate. Also have the dark chocolate option. We have coconut. Pistachio. We have cheesecake with guava. We have pistachio. Mm, they, I have they, the red red velvet and cream cheese. <laughs> you know that those flavors, of course, uh, those flavors. I, those I try, are American I try, flavors. Exactly. I try yeah. to show the way we make that, but uh, with something that you know my American clients will feel comfortable trying. Tell me about the savory adventures. Are there savory things that you have been adapting from American flavors that you're working with? Yes, yes. Uh, I adapted too, but, but I make the regular ones, the more popular in Brazil. Mm -hmm. And all parties, all events have uh, brigadeiros, the sweet part, and the savory part is a coxinha, pão de queijo. Pão de queijo is a cheese bread. Ah. It's a gluten-free option. It's, and it's delicious. So delicious. And all people eat the pão de queijo in the morning, in the breakfast, all the time. But uh, here, I, um, my idea, it's a cooking, it's a made a sandwich. It's like a brisk, brisket. Uh -huh. Brisket. But inside I put it, um, eggs, bacon, and it's a gluten-free sandwich. Huh. And uh, it's a perfect uh, option for parties, for events, for all the time. Yeah. Something that really caught my eye are your amazing cakes that you make. I've they're they're beautiful and yeah. you and and you've done I mean you do wedding cakes and many tears and explain about the decorations and how you do it because they really are different from anything else I've seen. A lot of people work with um, gum paste, things like that, but I only work with buttercream. Mm. So all my cakes are covered with Swiss mending buttercream. But the difference between um, the cakes here and I think my cakes, which a lot of people, you know, fell in love, it's the way, um, how much filling we put it inside. So it's 
a lot of feeling, mm-hmm. you know. Because yeah, that's what Brazilians like. That's how we like. We, we like <laughs> we like very moist and a lot of flavor inside a cake. What are you all hoping for for the future? What mm. are what are your plans and your ambitions with your business? Uh, we have a lot of plans. <laughs> we have a lot of plans. Um, first, of course, this is the the first step, which is the store front store. But our plans are going a long way about you know having fro- the frozen side and shipping everywhere, not for only New Orleans. Yeah. And we we will love. I mean, the our plans is like to have some food trucks around the city, uh-huh. having some you know savory bites and the sweets where we can go to the festivals and things like that. But. Uh, yeah, we have a lot of plans and in the factory for the factory. Yeah, we you know we have the since June she already have the frozen side of the savories. Uh, you know we we plan to have some sweets frozen part too, so we can have both frozen sections and just ship everywhere because we do have we do get a lot of customers people who call in like oh do you ship uh-huh. to another state and and you know so that's something that we have in mind well i'm so excited to watch everything that you all do next i was tickled to happen in at the very very start of your business mm-hmm. and i promise i'm keeping a close eye on it and i know all my louisiana eats listeners will be fascinated oh. to learn more about brazilian baking too so Thank you all so much for coming to talk with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was Juliana Fernandez and Juliana Freire, proprietors of Juliana's Brazilian Bakery and Cafe in New Orleans. Coming up next, we'll hear from Ralph the Baker, a local backyard cook turned international social media sensation. Louisiana Eats returns after the break. Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Crystal Hot Sauce, always made with just three simple ingredients, aged red cayenne peppers, distilled white vinegar, and salt. Nothing artificial. Crystal Hot Sauce. Step out of the heat and into the flavor. From Rouse's Markets, synonymous with seafood, straight from Louisiana's waterways. Rouse's Markets tastes like home. And from Camellia Brand, Beans Done Right, a New Orleans tradition since 1923. Camellia's latest innovation makes life easy for today's smaller households. Beans for two. If a bag of beans is too big for your family, 
Camellia's New Orleans-style red beans for two and Cajun-style white beans for two has everything needed for dinner in today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com. Ralph Williams grew up in suburban New Orleans and, like many locals, learned to cook in the family kitchen. Intrigued by a TV baking show, he decided it was time to share his own culinary talents with the world. Going by the name Ralph the Baker on social media, he began posting videos of his kitchen exploits in 2020. Since then, his online presence has grown to include millions of followers and nearly one billion views. All right, y'all, we're about to make some crawfish, Monica. One stick of butter. One green bell pepper. One red bell pepper, y'all. Three stalks of celery. One small yellow onion. Known for his liberal use of butter, which he has the habit of hurling into his pan or backyard griddle, Ralph the Baker shows viewers how to create traditional New Orleans dishes with love and lots of butter. He also sells a line of seasonings as well as chocolate bombs that turn into hot cocoa. And he has a cookbook coming one day very soon. Oddly, the one thing this very busy entrepreneur almost never does is bake. Ralph, if anybody looks at what you're doing online, you don't seem to be baking. How in the world are you Ralph the Baker? That's a real good question. Uh, back in about 2008, when uh, the Cake Boss show came out, I started watching that show, and it really, really intrigued me. So back then, I started baking cakes and just trying to do different things. And and so for several years after that, I started selling some wedding cakes and doing different desserts, and I really loved it. I had a passion for it, and so I did that for about four or five years. And so the name kind of just stuck with me. So I wanted to take that to social media and show them how to do the bacon that I knew how to do. Uh, Social media is its own world, and so people really, they like my bacon, but they love my cooking. So that's how the name switched. You know, it's Ralph the Baker, but they see me cooking now. So, Ralph, what year did you begin this social media push? So I posted my first video the very beginning of 2020. Wow, that's not very long. No, it's not. And how many, what are your numbers? Because your numbers are like, wow. Yeah, so we have roughly, I have roughly 5 million followers. I have about a million and a half on TikTok, a million and about just over a million on YouTube, almost a million on Instagram, and roughly like three or 400,000 on Facebook. So we're getting close to 5 million. Who are these people? Just people from around the world that want to, they, they know Louisiana, but they really don't understand Louisiana. They really just think that, even like as me and you sit here in New Orleans and we record, they think that we got here by a P-Rog. They don't understand it, even though the day and age we're in, and they're just very intrigued. What's your communication like with your followers, like as far as direct communication? Do you hear from them often? Do they have questions? Like, what's your back and forth with these folks? So, I mean, you can't reach out, you know, you can't talk to all of them, but, you know, I will, you know, they'll message me on Instagram a lot, or I'll see comments and reply to what I can. It's it's a lot of people. I get a lot of love from all over the world. I've had people 
messaged me that I'll, you know, thank you for doing everything I do because, you know, one lady was battling cancer and she would watch my videos just to ease her days. And she said it really, really pushed her through and, and helped her get through that. And, uh, and fortunately, she was able to beat the cancer. And then she, she messaged me again and let me know that she beat the cancer. And her and her husband was expecting their first child. So, you know, it's so much deeper than just even sharing a recipe or a story. That's just amazing. Yes. Tell me a bit about where you're from, how you grew up, where'd you go to school, who's your mom and them? Yeah. So my mom and my dad, I grew up with them. We grew up in mostly Metairie and some of New Orleans, and their parents were from New Orleans. Uh, I've been out here all my life. So I was, I'm blessed I have my mom, my dad, and three sisters, uh, full household. Um, I went to school in Kenner. As a, as a young child, I went to Roosevelt Middle School, and uh, and then we came out to Metairie, and I went to uh, East Jefferson High School. So we was always, in, even if we didn't live actually in New Orleans, we was always out here for some reason or another. Well, most people who would hear you talk think that you might come from down the bayou, you know, but I guess the accent I'm listening to is um, kind of like Kenner, brah. That's exactly what it's like. That's exactly 100% what it's like. Yes. Okay, Ralph the Baker. So so you did do some bacon videos originally, huh? I did. I did do that. How in the world did you, a stick of butter, and the flat top grill become a thing? That's a good question. One day I was making a recipe in the kitchen and just playing around in one of the videos. I threw a stick of butter from four feet away, and I said one stick of butter, and I started with that. And, um... From that day on, it just stuck with me where everybody was like, one stick of butter. So now we just start all the recipes with one stick of butter. How do you incorporate a whole stick of butter into everything that you're cooking? Give me some examples. Well, I mean, so say if you're making some, like you said, I use the flat top griddle a lot. So I'll do crawfish pasta and I'll have my pasta pre-cooked. So what I'll do is I'll just incorporate that stick of butter and all the pasta and the crawfish and trinity and everything I'm using, and it just makes it even better. You know, it's not too many recipes I've ever come across that I can't use a stick of butter. At what point did your wife or who in your world say, Ralph, you got to stop throwing the butter in the kitchen, dude, and move you outside? That's exactly what it was. My wife, she was tired of picking up rags with butter all over it and butter on the walls and butter everywhere. So I went to looking online and and I basically came across the griddle, and I seen somebody cooking on one, and I said, hmm. So I looked them up, and I seen them for sale, and it was only like 200 bucks. So I went and got one and put it in the backyard, and that really solved a lot of problems for everybody. But my wife, she still gets it with the butter every day. It splashes on her for recording. So <laughs> it's just part of it. But, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how we actually moved outside to the griddle. And, you know, I really cornered the market, and that's how it became so big because— I took I take our traditional things that we cook crawfish pasta all the all the, all of these things that we do jambalaya and I make jambalaya on a griddle and it's really good. How do you make get jam- the rice is pre cooked? The rice is pre cooked, so I have that to that makes sense. Yeah, I just have to pre cook. You know, do it a little different, but it still turns out really good. But it's really different, and I show people all everything you can cook inside, we can cook outside, and it just cornered a market where now a lot of people cook on a griddle. But when I started doing this. Not so much. Now, it wasn't too many people really cooking on griddles. So have you done any traveling? Have you taken this Ralph the Baker phenomenon out of um, Metairie? 
We went to Texas when, I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, Texas had an ice storm and it knocked all the lights out. Yeah. Well, there was Ralph the Baker on my way, and I uh, went down there with food. I bought everything I could buy here. We went down to Texas, me and a friend of mine, and we went and fed like a 1,000 people some gumbo and some things of that nature, and it was a real blessing to them. So, I mean, we go to like, we've been to Texas a few, a few times. I get a lot of love out of Houston. Um, they really, really, really support me. Was there a specific moment when all of a sudden you saw the fan base explode? What caused that to happen? So it was a Thanksgiving morning, I want to say 2020. So it might have been, or 2021. It was 2021 Thanksgiving morning, and kids were sleeping, and Sarah was sleeping, and I had a candy mold on the table. And I'm looking at this candy. A candy mold? Yeah, it was just like a mold that I had, I bought from the store and I never used it. And I don't even know how it ended up on the table or why it was on the table, but it was, right? So so I'm looking at it and it was just these little round balls, the candy mold, that's what it would make. So I took out a, um, a block of chocolate and I melted it down and I used this mold and I got some marshmallows I had in there. And I just made it like a ball with marshmallows in it. And so I called it the Cocoa Bomb. The cocoa bomb. That's what okay. I called it. So you probably, you may have may have not seen them. You probably have now. So it's just a chocolate ball with marshmallows in it, and you put it in hot milk, and it turns into hot chocolate. Well, I did that, and when I made it, I showed everybody on TikTok. If you go back, that's one of my very uh-huh. first videos. I showed them how to make it, but they wanted to know where they could buy it because nobody's ever seen it. I, I literally invented it right there on my table. And now they're like sold in every single store. Everybody sells them. But I think I really blew up then because it was just going so viral. And let me tell you, the internet is a powerful place. We were making like 20000 a day in sales, selling these chocolate cocoa bombs. And they were just going crazy. And from then on, we just always grew. But, you know, it's it's one thing to be big on TikTok, and it's a great platform. But it's totally different to be big and have millions of followers across the board. On all the platforms. All platforms. That's where that's what separates people. Some people are really big on just one platform, but we've been blessed. We we're able to be big and have millions on every platform. Like I have a, um, the gold play button I recently received from YouTube. There is only out of like a hundred million creators, thirty thousand people have one. What is it? I don't know anything about it's it. It's a gold play button that you get when you hit one million subscribers on YouTube, but it's very hard to get a million. I think I have three quarters of a billion views on there. What are some of the other products that you've created besides your cocoa bomb? So we have a line of Cajun seasonings. We have regular Cajun seasoning, spicy Cajun seasoning. We have a barbecue seasoning, uh, crawfish bowl seasoning. We have a whole line of seasonings now. And so how much of a mom and pop operation are you still? Are you doing all the fulfillment yourself? Like, how are you operating this machine? It's more of like a family business now. I can't do it all myself. Matter of fact, I can't even do the packaging no more. So it's kind of like mom and dad and, and getting everybody involved in it because I can't do it all myself. If I'm sitting there packaging, then I can't create content and, and get and keep on going. I had to learn that the hard way. Where do your ideas come from? You know, just knowing that that you just, people really, really, really love food or want to enjoy cooking and having fun in the comments. I get a lot of what keeps me going and, and seeing this is so often in my comments, I'll see kids that say, I wish I had my dad to show me how to cook and thank you for showing me this. I can't wait to try it. And that really, really keeps me going. And as far as like the recipes, I don't know. I love cooking so much that I just love to see something 
online and put my own twist to it. You don't have any control over these platforms and what they're doing with your content, right? None. You make the video and you and you, you wish it to the stars and let it go and <laughs> hope it does good. The golden play button. That must come with checks, too. Are they paying you? Would you demystify that for us? Yeah, so it's really simple. Like, if you look at, you, like if we talk TikTok, you look at one, if somebody's got a million views on their one video, you can roughly say they made between thirteen and $1,800 for that one million views. Wow. Has Food TV tried to come and eat you up yet? So 100%. I've had Gordon Ramsay's people reach out to me. Uh, What's the, what's the guy's name that drives the car? Guy, guy Fieri. I've had his, I've, his people, his crew has reached out to me, Bobby Flay's people. But it's, it's exactly what you said. Oh, it's promotional. It'll take you to a new reach and a new level. But the reality is, is that we're in a different time in the world now. I'm already going to get 30 to 50 million views this month, next month, next month. God willing, next month, next month, and continue. We've been doing this for a long time now. Three years, yes, right? Yes, yes. So... You know, and and we're right at 10 billion views. So it's very easy for me to tell them, look, if you don't want to write a check, I'm not stopping what I do and what's going to pay me to come be on your show. I'm sorry. Like, I'm not. You're already a multimillionaire. We ain't all there yet. I've had a few millions in the bank. Well, maybe I'll come for a week to see what y'all doing. What's the future hold? Where are you going with? How old are you? So I'll be 42 February 2nd. No, February 9th, I'll be 42, Lord of mercy. You poor busy man. You're so busy you can't remember your own birthday? You just wouldn't believe it, <laughs> let me tell you. After I do this, then I do a whole week of the publishing team coming down for a cookbook coming out. Oh, who's going to publish your cookbook? When can we look for that? So Hoffman Media is publishing it. Uh, pre-orders go, it'll be pre-order, I think in October-ish. What else is waiting in your future that you're striving for, that you're working for besides a cookbook? So, yeah. So Discovery is ready to drop some money on a reality TV show. So that's exciting. So cool. we'll see where that goes. That, that'll that be a fun thing to do. You know, just kind of just want to live life, not have to work a nine to five because that kind of sucks. If you can get a following online, not millions, just 10,000 can change your life. You can make millions of dollars with just a few thousand. A few thousand followers can really make you millions of dollars if you have it in you because once you get eyes on you online, you can sell the world anything you want, anything. If you can make it, you can sell it. Well, thanks, Ralph. Thanks so much for all the great information and advice. I'm thrilled to have a seat on the sideline, and I'll be watching. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was social media sensation Ralph the Baker teaching the world how to cook New Orleans style, one stick of butter at a time. You can follow his videos on pretty much every social media platform or visit his website at ralphthebaker.com. difference between baking soda and baking powder? Stay tuned and we'll answer that question when we come right back.
I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Louisiana Eats is brought to you with major support from Blue Plate Mayonnaise, the beloved secret ingredient of Louisiana kitchens for over 90 years. Blue Plate's rich, creamy mayo is crafted from their timeless recipe. Just oil, vinegar, and only the egg yolks. Blue Plate Mayo, that's the good stuff. And from Louisiana Fish Fry, now doing for chicken what they've always done for fish. Fried chicken tenders, wings, sandwiches, and more, Louisiana Fish Fry has you covered with a mix specially for chicken. Louisiana Fish Fry, because life needs Louisiana flavor. And from Visit the North Shore, discover world-class culinary flavors on Louisiana's North Shore. Experience the bounty of the bayou and rich culture from award-winning chefs, soulful mom-and-pop restaurants, extraordinary bakers, and creative mixologists. To learn more, request the Explore the North Shore Visitor Guide for inspirational stories, custom itineraries, and event information at visitthenorthshore.com. St. Tammany Parish, Louisiana's easy escape. Just 40 minutes from New Orleans French Quarter. Here's this week's culinary quiz question, brought to you with support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. What is the difference between baking soda and baking powder? They both act as leavening agents, which means they're responsible for making things rise. In order for sodium bicarbonate, the scientific name for baking soda, to become activated, it must be mixed with an acid, which creates carbon dioxide gas, causing the mixture to rise. That's why you'll find buttermilk or lemon juice included in recipes with baking soda. Baking powder is a mix of sodium bicarbonate and cream of tartar, which acts as the acid so it activates with the addition of any liquid. But both have to be fresh in order to work, so test before using in your cake batter. Stir a teaspoon of baking powder into a glass of hot water. If it bubbles, it's good. Proof baking soda with vinegar. It will bubble aggressively, too. I'm Poppy Tooker, and you're listening to Louisiana Eats. And now for a sweet story about second chances. Regular listeners of this show may remember an interview we did with baker Martha Gilreath, which first aired back in 2022. Martha, a Mandeville native, was raised in a big loving family that always had a king cake on the kitchen counter during carnival and made regular trips to the French Quarter for beignets. As Martha got older, though, things became much less idyllic. Somewhere along the way in uh, my early 20s, I got very, very lost. And 
was in active addiction, drug addiction, for the better part of 16 years. Uh, and I came back home to New Orleans in 2015 and ended up homeless, um, living under the Claiborne Bridge uh, by Lee Circle. And I continued that way of life uh, through the winters and summers, and it was miserable. And it occurred to me that I was not going to die from this disease. I was going to probably wake up every day for the next 30 years and live like this. And that was something I couldn't do anymore. The first step towards a new life began in 2020 at a treatment center in Charleston when a newly sober Martha baked a cheesecake for another resident's 21st birthday. And so I made a cheesecake, and I'll never forget, I walked outside to smoke a cigarette, um, and it was dark, and the windows to the dining room were illuminated. And I looked in there, and he was sitting with a few of his friends, and it was the first time I'd seen him smile. Oh. And in that moment, it just clicked for me. This is this is what I want to do. After rehab, Martha was accepted into the baking and pastry arts program of NOKI, the New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute. Even before she graduated as valedictorian of her class, Martha's entrepreneurial spirit kicked in, and she decided to start baking king cakes professionally. And about five days before carnival season started, I said, why Why not? Like, I'm, I think I've got an idea. And so I contacted one of my fellow students, London LaHost, and uh, I said, hey, you want to make king cakes? And she said, sure. So we sat down at a picnic table, and I draw up an LLC, and, and we just figure, out, figure it out along the way. And we had no idea what we are doing, um, so it was a trip. Martha developed a beautifully simple version of a king cake, reminiscent of the beloved Mackenzie's king cakes of her childhood. Naming her new business Nolita, she sold 250 king cakes that very first season. By Mardi Gras 2022, she had sold 1,200. The following year, her sales approached 1,700, which brings us to today. Martha! Hi. I'm so excited to see you. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome. Just in time for the king cake season in January 2024, Martha opened a bakery in New Orleans' Mid-City neighborhood. Just a few blocks from Bayou St. John on Orleans Avenue, the Darling Bake Shop is a warm, sunny space that's kid-friendly and dog-friendly a perfect place for people to gather. Louisiana Eats stopped in just after Nolita opened its doors to learn what Martha's got in store. I can hardly believe that here we are at the brick and mortar Nolita when it was three years ago that we met over King Cake. Over King Cake three years ago. How did you come to have this bricks-and-mortar place after such a short time. You know, I think most people might still be working at bakery jobs. I feel that my life was on hold for a very long time, so I kind of go full force into everything now. And it was only June. I was sitting around with my boyfriend saying, what do I do next? 
And he said, well, do you want to go cook for someone else again? And I said, no. And then it became the next obvious choice. And the universe and all of the people around me really rallied up to make this happen and happen quickly. <laughs> so give me some for instances. Well, for instances, my sister is an interior designer and she designed the space. Um, all of my brothers helped out, some with the not fun office side of it. One of them is a woodworker, came in and built this bench. I think a huge thing for me was like everything I've always been about is creating memories. And so one reason we kept the floor plan so open and the concept so open is I know that when I was younger, I loved to watch things being made. And so um, we wanted to keep the entire front open so that the kiddos, the families, whoever, when they came in could watch what we were doing. And that, that keeps it really exciting and really fun for us. That and good butter. <laughs> so I guess you're anticipating inspiring some young bakers. That is the hope. That is the hope. The goal is for it to be no muss, no fuss, a happy space. And I think all the yellow and all the blues just really make it welcoming and warm. And that's all I really want is for people to come in and feel welcome. The amazing thing to me, this enormous side yard. There's just when the springtime comes and it's just such a great place to gather. So I guess people, you're going to probably have some hangout folks, huh? We'd like some hangout folks, a good mix of grab and go and some hangout. And we're really hoping as we get into festival season, especially Jazz Fest, that people will stop by here first, get their own crawfish bread, hang out for a little bit, and then go hit the festivals, you know, kind of gear up. So walk us through the menu, if you would, and if there's anything special that you want to make sure people are looking for when they come here. Well, a lot of our menu was designed around the fact that I find it hard sometimes to go to a bakery and just get the classics. Um, I appreciate all the beautiful, fun things that other pastry chefs and bakers do, but it's so hard sometimes to go find just a really good blueberry muffin or chocolate chip cookie. So that's the basis for our menu. And there's no refrigerated cases. Everything goes fresh into these beautiful countertop glass cases. You walk in the door and I guess you wander along this pastry case and take me on a tour of everything that's in the case today. Well, it's super important that when you come in, the first thing is something familiar. So we've strategically placed what we call the blueberry extravaganza, which is our blueberry muffin, um, right at the front. What makes a blueberry cupcake an extravaganza, Martha? It was actually during recipe testing, my boyfriend's best friend said, this is an extravaganza of blueberries. Yeah. And it was so catchy, you would think that um, one of my nephews named it, but people love it. Well, your Danish are beautiful, and oh my goodness, your breads. I really wasn't expecting any breads here, but What's up with that French onion roll? Yum! Well, I thought it was really important for the very limited amount of bread we do put out for it to be something you can grab and take home and do what it, uh, with it what you will. Um, I personally like that roll with roast beef on it, but it has lots of caramelized onion flavor and Gruyere already in the bread. And then, of course, chocolate chip cookies with sea salt and 
Now here's something I'm not getting at all that really is surprising me. What's up with the Bialy, little Louisiana girl? Um, my old sous chef, who now is in Africa with the Peace Corps, actually introduced me to Bialy's. This is kind of an ode to him and him pushing me to pursue this. Now, I don't usually make a point of inserting myself into other people's business, but before we left, there was something I felt I needed to address. I could not get over the fact that among the lineup of baked goods on display, Martha's croissants were, well, they're delicious, but they don't look much like croissants. It's croissant dough. It's just shaped differently. The shape of it is kind of like, you know, almost you'd expect it to be a cinnamon roll within that circular sort of shape. What are you doing and why? I like the uniformity of molds and frames. It, it brings my crazy little brain some peace of mind to have things all be the same size. And also, it's, it's a little different, something that stands out a little bit. Fair enough. You take a look at them, and you know you're not getting a traditional croissant. But as I explained to Martha, not everyone's ordering menu items in person. Imagine people calling up for breakfast pastries for a board meeting, opening the bag and saying, those ain't croissants. And then it hit me. How about calling them croissants? I love it. I love it. Okay. You heard it here first. <laughs> Martha, congratulations. And we're sending you best wishes for all the good fortune in the world. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you here soon. Thank you, Martha. Thank you. That was Martha Gilreath at her New Orleans bake shop, Nolita. Stop by her Orleans Avenue bakery to try any of her delicious offerings, now including the croissant. To learn more, visit nolitanola.com. That's it for this week's edition of Louisiana Eats, edible content for Louisiana food lovers. Catch up on previous editions of Louisiana Eats on poppytooker.com, where over a decade of Louisiana Eats is available for pod and webcasting, along with recipes and cooking class videos, too. And don't forget to rate us on your preferred podcast platform. Meet and mingle with Louisiana's best chefs April 8th at the Lakefront Airport when the American Culinary Federation of New Orleans hosts their 10th anniversary gala. Emceed by Lieutenant Governor Billy Nungasser and Chef Kevin Belton, the evening includes a tasting menu prepared by both Louisiana's most well-seasoned and rising chefs with entertainment from the Yat Pack. Proceeds support culinary scholarships for future culinarians. For tickets and more information, visit acfno.org. Louisiana Eats welcomes our new major sponsor, Blue Plate Mayonnaise, 
when your poor boys, potato salads and rumelade need that authentic New Orleans flavor, blue plate mayo, that's the good stuff. And big thanks to our returning flagship sponsor, Dickie Brennan and Company. Happy hours back, Tuesday through Friday, 4 till 6 p.m. at the Black Duck Bar, upstairs at Dickie Brennan's Palace Cafe on Canal Street. With live music, a new oyster bar featuring crudo and other cold seafood selections, and as always, the largest rum selection in the South. Dickie Brennan's Palace Cafe serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner Tuesday through Sunday weekly with jazz brunch on weekends. Louisiana Eats is also made possible with major support from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen, Louisiana Fish Fry, Crystal Hot Sauce, Rouse's Markets, Visit the North Shore, and Camellia Beans, celebrating their innovative new product, Beans for Two. Camellia's new Red Beans for Two and White Beans for Two include everything needed to cook two authentically seasoned bowls of beans scaled for today's smaller households. Learn more at CamelliaBrand.com. And from D'Agostino Pasta, celebrating our culture with fleur-de-lis, crawfish, and alligator-shaped pastas, all handcrafted in Louisiana, just as it's been done in Sicily for centuries. Visit D'AgostinoPasta.com to learn more. Original theme music composed by David Pomerleau and performed by Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes. Big thanks to senior producer Joe Schreiner, producers Blake Longlinay and Steve Himmelfarb with writing contributions from Becky Retz, and to our business manager and social media maven, Maddie Mulladew. Catch up with us anytime on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, too. Louisiana Eats is a production of Poppy Tooker Broadcasting. (laughs) 